0: This is the Read to Lead podcast, episode 327.
1: to trust yourself so thoroughly that you can follow your own path and and accept what's true for you and what makes you happy, but understand also that we as human beings, maybe as all living things, are connected in this great soup, and that when you finally trust yourself enough, you not only follow your own path, but you have empathy for everyone else who is hopefully doing the same thing.
0: Hi, and welcome to the Read to Lead podcast. It's the podcast dedicated to your personal and professional growth. Hi, I'm Jeff Brown. I believe that if you want to achieve true success in your business and in your life, then intentional and consistent reading is a must. You cannot avoid this. The Read to Lead podcast is not only going to help you narrow this list, but bring you key insights and valuable ideas from some of today's most successful and inspiring authors. It's a journey I have truly enjoyed taking with you. In fact, I'm excited to let you know that this week marks the seventh anniversary of the Read to Lead podcast. Today, we'll be joined by author John Jantz. He's written a book called The Self-Reliant Entrepreneur, 366 Daily Meditations to Feed Your Soul and Grow Your Business. I'll be asking John to expound on how we often tend to misconstrue what it really means to be self-reliant, some of the reasons he chose to feature the writers he did in this book, how his book can help you if you suffer from, say, self-doubt, imposter syndrome, and the like, and lots, lots more. Well, in the coming weeks, I have the distinct privilege of speaking at events as close as Nashville, where I currently live, and as far away as Australia, all, without leaving the microphone I'm sitting behind right now. Yeah, it's a bit of a different world we live in today, and a lot of events, in-person events, have gone virtual. If I can help you with your virtual or eventual in-person event, I'd love to hear from you. I've spent the last seven or so months working on a signature talk designed to help event attendees realize their biggest dreams and highest priorities. And a lot of what I present in that talk is a culmination of the 327 interviews I've conducted over the last seven years. What are some of the things that all of these successful people have in common? Well, I've discovered that nearly all of them do these five things. And I share those things in that signature talk. If I can help your event attendees realize their biggest dreams and highest priorities, or you have another topic in mind you think I might be a good fit for, you can reach out to me directly, Jeff at readtoleadpodcast.com. Again, that's Jeff at readtoleadpodcast.com. John Jantz is a name you've probably heard before. He's a marketing consultant, speaker, and author of Duct Tape Marketing, The Referral Engine, duct tape selling the commitment engine and seo for growth in addition to his own writing speaking and consulting career john is a podcast pioneer with a continuous string of weekly podcast episodes dating back to the summer of 2005 so if you thought my seven years was impressive i've got nothing on john he's interviewed thousands of guests and has appeared as a guest hundreds of times Well, John's newest book, The Self-Reliant Entrepreneur, 366 Daily Meditations to Feed Your Soul and Grow Your Business, uh, taps into the wisdom of 19th century transcendentalist literature and John's own 30-year entrepreneurial journey to challenge you to remain fiercely self-reliant while chasing your own version of success. Uh, I feel like this is is a moment that should have happened a long time ago on a seven-year-old Podcast, but it's it's only happening now, and I promise it's worth the wait. John, welcome to the Read to Lead podcast.
1: Well, thanks thanks for having me. Imagine how long the wait, how grueling the wait has been for me to be actually asked
0: to be on the podcast. <laughs> um, well, when I first uh, you know read the title, you know this word, this phrase, self reliance, sounds really lonely. Uh, to me and as an entrepreneur the last thing i want is to feel lonely so what does it mean in in your uh, definition to be a self-reliant <laughs> entrepreneur exactly
1: yeah, it's it's interesting. I think there's a lot of um, misconceptions about what that term means, mm-hmm. and I think I, I think what it's sort of come to represent today. You know, if you Google the term self-reliance, I mean, there'll be websites tell you how to build your own house and kill your own food and <laughs> you know, make your own clothes, and that's really um, you know this borrows uh, heavily, as you reference to um, some mid nineteenth century literature, uh, specifically the uh, the very famous essay by Ralph Waldo Emerson called Self Reliance. Uh, Uh, Emerson meant something completely different. What I think he meant was... Be able to trust yourself so thoroughly that you can follow your own path and, and accept, you know, what's true for you and what makes you happy. But understand also that we as human beings, maybe as all living things, you know, are connected in this great soup. Um, and that uh, when you finally trust yourself enough, you not only follow your own path, but you have empathy for everyone else who is hopefully doing the same thing. So that's that's really kind of what I mean, because you're, you're, you're right as an entrepreneur, you know, we're like trees in the forest. I mean, we depend on each other as much as our own root system. But, but the problem is with so many people is we get caught up in chasing what other people are doing or what other people say we should do or shouldn't do. Um, and I think that that's the thing that robs us uh, probably of, of the joy and happiness that this journey should entail.
0: I am definitely a, a creature of habit, and, and part of that for me, John, includes some some morning rituals, and mm-hmm. I have some literature that I go to uh, every single day to start my day. One of those off the top of my head is, is Ryan Holiday's The Daily Stoic, and I'm looking forward to adding uh, your book to that routine. And it's so different, though, from what you've done in the past. Was there a sort of a catalyst or an epiphany moment where this idea came to you and you just knew that this was something you had to do? It was kind of a
1: thirty-year epiphany. Um, <laughs> no, no, I, I think it's—I think it's actually a combination of things. First off, I have written. This was my sixth book. Uh, I had written, you know, five other very how-to marketing books, and there probably was a sense that you know I just. Didn't want to write another one of those. I wanted to write something that was maybe more of a mindset or why to a book. And and to some degree, maybe I needed to do that for myself. And that's you know, I think a lot of people do things you know for themselves that hopefully the world then accepts as something that's useful for them too. Um, I have a morning ritual. Have forever. You know, I think entrepreneurship is the greatest self development program ever created. And so this kind of fit into. Something that I've been doing for a long time. Something that I've been thinking about uh, for a long time. I'm I'm not sure I could have written the same book ten years ago. No. Uh, so it's, it really is a, um, in some ways, a, a collection or a telling of, of kind of my own journey to self development. And and some of what's in there is kind of tried and true advice. Some of it mm-hmm. is uh, wisdom that that I've gained by you know failing and making my own mistakes. You know that's kind of what I want for people is to to be able to. To look at this as something that uh, that they can work, go to work on themselves because I, you know, I contend a a, a better you is always going to make a a better business. Mm. But, you know, the tough part about this book is it's not prescriptive. It doesn't tell you how to do anything. Uh, because, you know, if you think about it, uh, telling somebody how to be self-reliant sort of defeats the purpose, right? I mean, that's, that's the self part of that's kind of on you, uh, to, you know, to figure out. But it hopefully gives you something to reflect upon. And and the structure of the book is, you know, every day starts with uh, a reading from uh, some mid-19th century literature, and we can talk about why I chose that. Uh, but, but then uh, some, uh, you know, 150, 200 words from me, and then every day I leave you with a question. And that's the part that I think people... Mm. Uh, in some ways, uh, really, st- I won't say struggle with, but, but they, you know, have, have the big, most trouble sort of digging into, or, or that's the part that maybe offers the most value, uh, because it does make them think about, you know, how to apply this to themselves in their own journey. Mm.
0: Well, let's talk about uh, some of that inspiration, John, what, what makes uh, the writers you chose relevant to today's entrepreneurs in, in your view?
1: Well, so if you think about what's going on in the world or certainly in America, uh, in 1850 or so, we were on the cusp of the civil war. Women were just starting to really get feisty about the right to vote. Uh, we were trying to abolish the legal act of human slavery. And so in America, at least it was the first truly counterculture period. I mean, there was a lot of people questioning leadership and, you know, old ways and, you know, maybe we shouldn't listen to what everybody, uh, uh says we should do and so a lot of the writing particularly people like Emerson and Thoreau I mean was very overt like hey, you need to follow your own path and you need to do your own thing. I mean, essentially, Walden and, and self-reliance and a lot of the essays from Emerson were very much about uh, that theme. Yeah. But you also find in a lot of the literature that we were all asked to read in, in school, uh, you know, the Moby Dicks and Scarlet Letter and Little Women, uh, it was the first time that you also had protagonists that were, uh, were very much, you know, this may cost me everything, mm-hmm. but to follow you know, my heart and my path. And so I just happen to think that that band of literature is is still today some of the greatest uh, writing and advice uh, and inspiration for entrepreneurs. And it's it's some of my favorite literature, and so I certainly uh, I've had that uh, motivation to dig into it, but I also think that it holds up really, really well for yeah. today's. Uh,
0: do you have a favorite among the writers that you studied? Does, does one stand out more than the others? Yes.
1: Yeah, so there are 366 Entries and there were probably I, I keep telling myself I need to count them, but but uh, there are probably uh, 80 individuals are represented in those 166. Emerson shows Emerson and Thoreau uh, probably show up more than uh, than anyone. But I also, what was kind of fun for me is even though, you know, those are names that people recognize, uh, but, you know, I wanted to dig deep into this, uh, this era, Uh, it was very important for me to, to unearth as many women as I could, because of course, women authors were a rare thing in Mm. that, uh, in that era. Uh, And so I, you know, for me, I discovered a lot of authors uh, uh, as well, the, you know, Margaret Fuller's uh, of the world that, you know, anybody who studied, you know, feminist writing uh, in college, you know, probably Mm. knows who... Fuller is, but certainly a whole lot of uh, women entrepreneurs, uh, entrepreneurs in general don't. So that was kind of fun. But t- to really answer your question, probably in some ways my favorite, partially because it was uh, um, sort of a surprise to me, was uh, a woman named Willa Cather. Now, some people are familiar with her because some of her books have been turned into movies like, oh, Pioneers is one, but uh, I had really not studied her writing and and kind of the, the depth of... Uh, the beauty of her writing. Um, uh, uh, one of the themes that comes through this book a lot because it was in a lot of this literature was our connection to nature as, as being a, you know, a really valuable lesson in grace and, and uh, you know, kind of how to live. And uh, Cather's work is all about the pioneers you know, in the prairie of, in mm-hmm. her case, it was Nebraska, I think, for the most part. Uh, but uh, the, the, the way that she makes land actually a character uh, in the book is, is pretty fascinating.
0: Well, when I think of uh, entrepreneurs, I I think of, uh, more than anybody else, I think of a person who struggles with things, John, like fear and and second-guessing their decisions and who am I to do this, you know, imposter syndrome and that sort of thing. You said the book's not necessarily prescriptive, but what would someone struggling with some of those things be likely to find that might help with some of those issues? Yeah,
1: yeah. Well uh, there, there there certainly is a part of you know you got this you know in in this book I think the thing that happens that causes a great deal of that is our lack of of self-reflection mm. and and when people spend time you know, working on themselves and they spend time studying, as you talked about, you know, certain literature and journaling and meditating and, you know, doing a lot of the things that people do in their morning rituals. Mm. What what happens, I believe, is that they are not only more prepared to go meet each new kind of grueling day in some ways. I think you put yourself in a um, in a mindset where you are witnessing what goes on. You're paying more attention to how you respond. You're paying attention to, you know, being more mindful. In, in every moment, and and that's where I think the real growth is, and that's where we stop sort of second guessing ourselves or, you know, trying to trying to accomplish what other people accomplish. Um, you know, one of the things that I, uh, a lot of people have told me that have been you know practicing this book, and I use that term <laughs> intentionally because it's you know it's not a book you take on vacation and read; it's more like a practice that you mm. work into your morning routine, like you mentioned, Ryan's uh, uh, book. I think a lot of people do that as well. Fortunately for Ryan, a whole Lot more people than do that with my book, but you know we'll get there, <laughs> there eventually. But uh, you know that I think is probably the thing that you know over time, spending time working on yourself daily, you're sort of chipping away, is kind of how you, I, I think, in some ways, realize that this whole journey is more about happiness than it is about you know getting to some destination.
0: Mm. Yeah, mindfulness and meditation certainly a part of it, but they're tools in a in a larger toolbox, right?
1: Yeah, no, no, no question. But but I do think that I do think lack of mindfulness, which is really easy to do. I mean, uh, you know, you 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 get emails, the phone starts ringing, people need stuff. <laughs> you have the, you have that client that. That you're worried about, you know, what, what, why they want to talk to you next week, you know, <laughs> and and you know the all of those things kind of add up to uh, to basically get us to focus on the things that we have no control over.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I and I think that that's probably mindfulness and uh, you know self reliance is really I think about understanding that you know the only two things we control are you know, how we show up and how we respond, mm-hmm. and if we can get a handle on both of those things, I kind of believe everything will work itself out
0: you mentioned discovering some new writers I think you mentioned Willa Cather earlier was there anything that surprised you while writing the book uh, did you learn anything new let's say uh, during the yeah. process?
1: Well, I think the thing that surprised me the most was just how how often I would read a passage and go, "There's no way that was written 150 <laughs> years ago." You know, they were talking about right now, and and boy, I tell you, the last 90 days, the world got turned upside down. Uh, I I've heard from you know more readers that they can't. Believe it's like I wrote that, you know, today instead of what a year and a half ago <laughs> when mm. I wrote it. But mm. obviously, there was no way to predict where we are today. But I will say, I felt like, and I'm not alone in this for the last couple of years, that we've been headed to this place. Mm. Uh, frankly, I, I think, you know, the, the the sort of divide and, you know, hyper partisism apart. Easy you know the you word I say. mean. <laughs> yeah, you know the word I mean. Um, you know, it is. I think has a lot of people kind of searching like, well, how do we, you know, how do we come back together? And I, I, I frankly, I think entrepreneurs have always been the voice of good. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. a lot of people start businesses because they're trying to right some wrong or, you know, solve some, some problem. And, uh, um, so I, you know, I, I think in a lot of ways, I'm, I'm hopeful, at least in a lot of ways that, that sometimes you got to hit bottom to come back to, uh, people going, wow, this, you know, this isn't the way the world's supposed to work.
0: The people, uh, who are a part of that word you were trying to say earlier, um, oftentimes are, are divided by you know, season in life by generation. What are your thoughts as to, to how this approach to entrepreneurship that you're prescribing might be received differently depending on your, your season of life.
1: Yeah, I've heard from a lot of people. I mean, uh, the 55, 60 year old that's been doing this for a while, of which I'm in that category, mm. is quite often, at least this is what I hear from them, that they they see this as a, they're reflecting on what's this all meant? You know, have I had impact? Is this, you know, the impact that I wanted to have? Whose life is better, <laughs> you know, because, I, because I've because i done what I've done. And I think that's a really natural thing for a generational entrepreneur to, to start having. I mean, I, you know, unfortunately, it's It's. I wish in my 30s I thought that <laughs> what impact am I trying to have who's going to be better because I've you know done this as I've also talked to uh, say millennial entrepreneurs they draw a lot of I think uh, inspiration from the uh, you know I mentioned that this you know, you got this you know mm-hmm. you go for it you, you should do this and I think what's interesting is when, when I started as an entrepreneur uh, it was kind of looked at as you started a business because you couldn't get a job <laughs> whereas you know today obviously everybody even those sitting at a desk from nine to five, you know, are itching to start a business or have started a business. And, and I think that the the entire sort of mantra of entrepreneurship as a lifestyle, I think, is something that the next couple of generations are going to fully realize. Mm.
0: Well said. Well, I've got a, a couple of questions, uh, John, I want to ask you that aren't directly related to the book. Before I do that, is there anything else from the book you want to make sure we know? Well, you
1: we'll know you know what we ought to do um, is we ought to read today's passage. Oh,
0: cool. Yeah, let's do that.
1: It takes about 90 seconds. And I think it, we've been talking all around like what it's kind of like and how it's <laughs> structured. But this uh, will give people a free sample. How's mm, that? I love it. All right, so I have to warn people that the reading today does include an Emily Dickinson poem. And, you know, that's some of the darker writing, actually, (laughs) in it. But the message will come through. So every day starts with a title, then the reading that I chose, then my words, and then a question. Not a climb. Fame is a fickle food upon a shifting plate, whose table once a guest, but not the second time, is set, whose crumbs the crows inspect. And with ironic caw, flap past it to the farmer's corn. Men eat of it and die. Emily Dickinson, the collected poems of Emily Dickinson, 1890. So here's my reflection on what I thought she was saying, or at least how I want to apply it to today. In the climb to achieve some level of entrepreneurial fame, it's easy to fall into the trap of equating success with monetary, material, or social follower achievements. Perhaps the real issue here is to first explore why we climb at all. If it is to achieve some accomplishment that we are certain will bring us happiness, then we may be doomed at the outset. Happiness achieved in this manner never sticks. You never arrive at the summit. To stay with the climbing metaphor, you lurch on to one false peak after another, and along the way, and you probably saw this coming, you miss the dazzling display of columbine and fireweed, the ruffling of aspen leaves, and the young bull elk grazing in the meadow just off to your right. Plenty of people will try to tell you how to get to the top of the mountain and why you must. But what we could all use is some advice on how to come back down, how to be grateful for the amazing things we've already achieved and the amazing people who have helped us along the way and those we have yet to meet who will do the same.
0: 32%
1: of Mount Everest and K2, the second highest mountain after Everest, fatalities occur during the descent. Happiness is a choice, not a climb. So your question today what have you already achieved that you are
0: grateful for? I love that, <laughs> man. I love the perspective you walk away with, the the enlightenment that 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 I feel from having heard you read that is just tremendous. I appreciate that very much. Well, thank you. So you can get the audio book too, and then. You- <laughs> we read every, every, every one of them. I, no, actually, it. I,
1: actually, I, I have it. No, actually, I have a confession. I, you know, I have 366 entries in this book and in, in numerous interviews that I've done, people have said, what's your favorite entry? And I've really kind of balked at that because I don't know, you know, they, they all mean something, you know, different. How do you pick one? But I, I do own a house in the mountains and spend a lot of time in the mountains. And so uh, people will probably see some, <laughs> people who uh, read the book thoroughly will see a lot of references references to mountains and, and nature and wilderness. And I, I have told people that I think today's entry might be my favorite one. Oh
0: Wow. Wow. That's cool. Let's talk about books and your reading habit specifically, uh, John. What's a, what's a book or two over the course of your career you've encountered that's left up an impression on you, a lasting impression? Maybe it's one you go back to or several you go back to yeah. again and again.
1: Well so I would say from a business standpoint the first book that that really kind of gave me some insight into what I was going to do uh, with duct tape marketing it was a book written in the 50s by management consultant Peter Drucker called The Practice of Management you know which mm. sounds like a terribly <laughs> Dull book for somebody who was going to work with small businesses and entrepreneurs. But what I really took away from that book was the, this idea that business is a system or a set of systems. Marketing is certainly an important system, and that that actually influenced just that single thought probably influenced you know my entire career and point of view about business in ways that uh, you know that that certainly guided my journey in terms of. Self-development, there's a Deepak Chopra book that I read about maybe 20, at least 20 years ago, called The Seven Spiritual Habits of Success. Yeah, that's it. Seven Spiritual Habits of Success. And I've probably it's a short book and I, I've probably read it a dozen times. It's funny. And you know, I think that my book, The Self-Reliant Entrepreneur, it'll be interesting to see when when people start year two, if it'll have the same impact. I, I can't tell you how often I've gone back and reread a book and thought, wow. When did, when did the author put that in there? That's, a, that's really, that's a really interesting thought, you know, because when we read a book the first time, and then if you go back and reread a book, you know,
0: you're a different person in a year.
1: You know, I, I really enjoy doing that. In fact, I think a lot of people ought to make that a habit is, you know, pick half a dozen books and read them about 10 times.
0: Yeah, I think so much can be gained from doing that. I'm a big fan of that, of that process as well, for the very reason you state, because you change. And as you change, things you've read a hundred times suddenly hit you in a whole new way that they wouldn't have the chance to do had you not reread them. Well, when it comes to, to your personal reading, particularly reading to learn and develop, John, what would you say are some of the things you do to maybe help retain what you read or ensure that you're actually mm-hmm. going to implement what, you, what you've learned in the cases where you actually want to do that?
1: I think probably to that, there, there are two things I want to address to that question that one of them actually answers the question. The other one has nothing to do with the uh, the question. <laughs> no. one, one of the habits that I've done over the years is I really love to read Books that people would think were odd. I mean, they're they're outside of my profession. Books on calculus and architecture and uh, physics and science and you know things that have nothing to do with marketing. But when I read them with a, what ideas can I get for my business out of this book, or what ideas can I get for you know for marketing out of this book? It's amazing how things just they cross over from other industries and from other uh, topics that are just absolutely amazing and ev- and or at least evocative and, and ways for you to to maybe simplify what it is that you're doing by using some explanation in in you know in nature or something mm. So that's one of my favorite things to do. But in answering your question about retention, probably the thing that I've forced myself to do over the years, uh, partly because I thought it was the right thing to do, but also secondarily it helped me retain. And 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 everybody knows this. This is not going to be new. But uh, anytime I want to push myself and stretch myself, I find a way that I can uh, commit to teaching a subject. Mm. Uh, it's first off, it makes me dig in. I've I've done a number of courses for for LinkedIn, for example. And and, you know, once they get somebody that seems to work out and, you know, show up and <laughs> be able to do video and, you know, all those kind of things, they're like, what else can you do for us? And <laughs> I did a couple courses for them that, quite frankly, I, I would certainly not be seen as an expert at the time on that uh, on that subject. But because I was going to have to teach it, I had to learn it. And uh, I, I think that that I think there's no greater way to learn something than to, uh, to commit to teaching
0: it. Occasionally, I read a book that as soon as I finish reading. I, I want to go and teach it to other people. I love reading a book and having sort of that feeling at the end of it. Oh, I, I want I want to share this with other people. I want I want I want other people to know this. Let me figure out a way to extrapolate this so I can do exactly that. I can teach it to other people. I love that process.
1: Yeah, I, I advise entrepreneurs to do that, no matter what it is. I mean, even if you're just teaching your team or your staff, uh, that that there's there's something about you know the storytelling and the communication that goes on you know when you commit to do that 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 I think helps Chris. Crystallize your vision, helps you crystallize your communication. In some cases, it makes you a better communicator, which is something we all can do. Uh, so, you know, that, that, that I think every entrepreneur, every leader, you know, should, should make that, uh, th- think of themselves as, as a teacher, you know, more than a, than a boss.
0: Well, finally, as you look ahead to the rest of this, what started out to be a, a crazy year, uh, what's, what's ahead for you and your team that you're excited about and, and able to, to share?
1: Well, a couple things 20 years ago when I walked into a small business and said hey you know here's what I'm gonna do here's what you're gonna do uh, here are the results we hope to get here's what it costs you know we're gonna install a marketing system I can modestly say that was a huge innovation mm-hmm. in how marketing was done for small business and I think that that's you know if duct tape marketing has meant anything it's it's meant that innovation of marketing as a, as a system and strategy before tactics mm-hmm. today I am finding so many businesses that are struggling with marketing Marketing because they they're, they look at it as a cost. They look at it as something that they can outsource, and I want them to own it. I think small business owners need uh, you know they they many times don't go out and hire a high level CMO type you know person because they don't know how to manage that person they don't know what to tell them to do and so 2020 2021 uh, my big innovation to bring to the world is we we are creating a certified marketing manager program and a lot of what we're going to do is go out and teach and coach employees of small businesses how to actually own marketing as a service as opposed to just buy marketing uh, as a service. So that's that that I think is a is a giant gap that that's out there at least I've experienced and uh, so we I want to you know in some small uh, measure meet that particular gap and and of course I'm working on another book.
0: <laughs> of course. Well the title of this book the one we've uh, focused on today again is called the self-reliant entrepreneur 366 daily meditations to feed your soul and grow your business. Uh, his name is John Jance. John, thank you so much for accepting the invitation. I apologize; it took me so long to get there, but uh, it was well worth the wait.
1: Well, thanks so much. Let's let's do this again in a, in uh, another seven years.
0: <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not wait that long.
1: <laughs> no, we probably we probably should because I'm you know I'm going to be on a river fly fishing you know uh, full time in seven years. So you better get me before then. <laughs>
0: If you don't currently have a morning ritual, I suggest you implement one. And when you do, consider making reading an entry each day from John's book a part of that ritual. For more on John and his book and the links and resources to the items we talked about, you can visit the show notes page I've created for this episode. That's at readtoleadpodcast.com slash 327 for episode 327 reach out to me directly for comments suggestions feedback questions or to check with me about speaking at your next event jeff at read to lead In a couple of weeks, we'll be welcoming author Molly Fletcher to discuss her book, The Energy Clock, Three Simple Steps to Create a Life Full of Energy and Live Your Best Every Day. And next week, we'll visit with Ala Hunkins to discuss his book, Cracking the Leadership Code. That and more on the horizon right here on the Read to Lead podcast. That's going to do it for this week. I look forward to seeing you next time. Until then, remember, leaders read and readers lead.